Welcome back to Just Ask. Thank you for tuning in. Today I have a very special guest for you all, my friend Sashin. A little backstory about how we met Sashin and I actually met this summer at the Babson Summer Study where we were teammates. Babson Summer Study is a three and a half long program where we learn about entrepreneurship and got to work with a team of students to create our own venture. If you'd like to learn more about the program, feel free to reach out to me through Instagram or email. All links will be in the podcast description. Going back to today's episode, Sashin will be telling us about his experiences while he was a co-founder of not one, but two ventures, Locade and the Smart Help. To begin, Sashin, would you introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. So, hello everyone. My name is Shishin Kunduru, and I'm from Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. Um, if you want to get to know me, I guess you'd have to take a trip back to India, which is where I was born. I moved here at the age of five to Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, and I've been here ever since. I'm currently a senior at Shrewsbury High School. And some of the things I like to do outside of school, I guess, are working out, playing basketball, just staying fit, eating healthy, things along those lines. And that usually what, that's usually what keeps me busy during these days. So that's a little introduction on myself. Let's jump in and talk about your ventures. So what exactly is Locade? I guess the thought behind this is the word L-O-C is like location, right? Like it's the first two of those letters of location. And then we're thinking of Medicaid. So Medicaid is like, you know, you go out and you help people, right? And then location. So we were trying to like think of a name and this is something that we took a lot of time on because we knew that in order to start a company, you need to have some sort of catchy name, whatever it may be, something that rolls off the tongue really easily and that's interesting. And we were looking around, you know, we're thinking of location, Medicaid, how do we combine this together? And then we were like, all right, locate. That's what we're thinking of. And that, I feel like it clicked right away. All of our group members loved it. And now to getting onto the idea of what it actually is, it basically is a software that a group and I, a group of seven people and I, were focused on creating to help small businesses because basically we were looking at statistics, right? And in our state, many small businesses go pretty much down the drain, I wanna say three or four months after taking off. And the main reason is not because of their idea or their vision, but rather because of scalability and awareness that they spread in their community. And what we were focused on is location. We analyzed the different data sets of companies that have already started or small businesses, perhaps in our county, you know, cities, towns, neighboring cities and towns. And we noticed that a majority of them go out of business because of their location. When Coming up with one of these softwares, the biggest thing they want to keep in mind is location. Not only because you need to know your demographics and when starting a small businesses, what many small business owners do is they hire someone else to do the work for them. But we were like, why, why go to someone else to do that? Why can't we just create a software that actually has data and statistics on the go? So that's what, that's where our like thought process stemmed from. And I guess to take it back a notch, we love Panda Express. Our group loved Panda Express and there was not a single Panda Express near us. We have to drive approximately 30 minutes to get to the closest Panda Express. And that's a long drive, especially on days where you quickly want to get Panda Express, it's just not possible. So we were like, hmm, that's like, you know, if only, if only there was a Panda Express close to us. And that's where the whole idea started. But other than that, I feel like that's basically what Locate is to sum it up. It's basically a small business, it's, it's a software that's you know backed by statistics, data, demographics, 
that we've all taken from government, you know, websites, you know, things, uh, databases and all, and all those things. And it basically helps small business owners find the best location to start their business. I thought the idea was genius when you first told me, and I could definitely see the need for it. But how were you able to take locate from an idea into reality? Yes, of course. So I can basically talk about how the team met. Um, I guess that's like the best way to kind of come up with the how did we make this vision a reality. And obviously, though, it was not successful because I was a freshman then and I did not know much about it. But I can give a rundown. So basically, um, I was really interested in the business aspect of things this is you know getting to know me once again but uh i really wanted to do a startup you know i feel like experience is what separates an individual who's interested about a topic from someone who is really well educated it's all about experience you can know everything in the world but if you've never implemented anything you're the same as everyone else it's all about experience it's all about experience so basically I signed up for this program called Thai Young Entrepreneurship. It's a very selective program in the East Coast, uh, particularly in Massachusetts that I'm aware of. It's in very big uh, states such as Texas, Florida, California, things along those lines. And there's one in Massachusetts. And basically you have to fill an application form and all, basically kind of what we did in Babson summer study. And I happened to have gotten in out of you know thousands of applicants. And I was very, very joyful because I was like, Oh my God, I'm a freshman and I got in because like, that's crazy. It was unbelievable for me. It was like, it was amazing. And that opportunity, I still remember to this day because it truly shaped me to the way I was and back on track. That's, you know, basically what happened, but to go back on the track of how this idea came, we came to groups and we were like, all right, there were seven of us. Let's think about our strengths and weaknesses. The very, a very big important aspect is the team. And something that, you know, professors Sims and, you know, all the professors in Babs and Summerside talked about is team. You can have a great idea, but if you don't have the right people around you, it's not going to work. So what we did was we analyzed the strengths and weaknesses of each of our team members. Some people were good at programming. We're not going to have the programmers work on marketing. We're going to have the programmers work on programming. We're going to have advertisement team work on the advertising. We're going to have the marketing team work on the marketing, so on and so forth. And each of our, you know, members were broken up into sub teams and they were given positions and from there onwards we would do research and we'd meet up and that's what kind of took off and basically by the end of that program we had to pitch our idea to venture capitalists real venture capitalists who would have given us i think it was i think it was 7k or, or something along those lines 7 to 10k which might not seem like a lot but it is a lot trust me because any money is better than none so and we were really interested but i guess to talk about the biggest problem, because you know that's kind of in the path of things. Um, the biggest problem was scalability. When starting, when you know, when thinking about making a startup, you have to focus on your target audience. Our target audience was small business owners, but that's still very, very large. That's a large amount of people. And especially when creating a software, a software can be copied in a couple of seconds. It can be remade. It can, it can, it can be like re-manipulated so quickly. So in order to make a software, you need something that will stand out. And that's something that we lacked because though we had the foundations and we had the basics of programming, we didn't have that kind of niche aspect to us. And for many people, they didn't believe in our idea because it was kind of like, wow, then what's the point of everyone else? Like there are so many companies that focus on helping these small businesses. They kind of took our idea for granted because, you know, it's, we're tackling a very big problem.
You know, there's a reason why entrepreneurships and startups fail and all of a sudden a group of teens has like the best idea to do so. And the problems that we came across were, like I said, were scalability and data. Even though we had lots of data from government websites, databases and whatnot, it's still not enough. You can never have uh, enough data. You can always have more. And the thing is, finding that data and accessing it is not cheap and it's not free. Well, the ones that are free are, you know, from records from maybe 2019, whereas now we live in 2021. And data changes every single year. So you need to pay for data or you need to find loopholes to get this data through companies, the government, and it's a very long process. So those are the two biggest problems that our team came across when dealing with locate. Do you think another problem may be that you lacked credibility because you were so young compared to the age of the average user and that's why there is this lack of data and the ability to advance? I felt like if I was the venture capitalist pitching this idea, it would seem shocking um, for many reasons, but one of them would be that like they just found a solution to the biggest problem in business. It's kind of like, it's kind of hard to digest, okay? And I understand their perspective as well because a big part of business is understanding what the venture capitalists are thinking and what you're thinking. If you can understand their train of thought, you can easily win over some factors in some ways which at the time I didn't understand properly and didn't have the proper knowledge. So things were a little tipsy. But now looking back on it, I feel like there were so many things that we could have changed to make it a lot more efficient. But to answer your question, Celine, I feel like, yes, I feel like they were shocked at our idea because it was so unbelievable. And I felt like they were like, okay, they did it. But the thing is, when we were presenting our pitch, we, sh we chose a small sample size. We did, for example, Framingham, which is a very close city, close to Shrewsbury, and we used you know, that data set to do so. I feel like the venture capitalists were looking for more data sets because once again, even though we're implementing a startup, they wanna see us implementing our startup with us implementing experiments of our startup. It's, once again, it goes back to the train of thought of experience and trying things. You constantly have to poke holes and find new areas of interest and new data sets to analyze. I feel like we got so hung up in one data set that we forgot that there were so many others. And it's so hard to keep track of as well because there's so many different counties and cities in Massachusetts alone. Now imagine how this would look like if you had uh, like two states, for example, just two states. It would be so hard to keep track of. So I think that's what the train of thought behind the venture capitalists who were listening to our idea was at the time. Even though Locade wasn't an overall success, I know that you probably learned a ton and it helped with the project that you're currently working on, the Smart Help. How did you come up with the idea for Smart Help? Yes, yes, 100%. So basically, currently I'm working on a nonprofit organization called the Smart Help Organization. And what it's focused on is basically helping younger students or students in general, elementary school, middle school, high school, for free. Because we noticed that in Worcester, which is a neighboring city, which isn't in the best scenario because of COVID. COVID um, led to many teachers and many, you know, education, people in the education department to get cut and basically have to leave and find new jobs. So what this did was is this forced students who were going to extra help to stop going to extra help. And I felt like there was a barrier between students and teachers because many of the teachers were leaving. And we were thinking, what's a better idea? How can we solve this problem within our community? 
First, it all started with problems in our community. We first started there, and though it wasn't exactly our community, it was a community very close to us, and we knew people that go to schools there. And many of my friends actually went to Worcester, and they were, they were, they were shocked that this was a scenario because Worcester is always so lively and it has so many teachers ready to help, but that wasn't the case because of the COVID pandemic. So that's where it all started. We were thinking of how could we possibly solve this problem? Let's think, do we want to involve adults? No, let's just do something that we could do ourselves because, you know, if we involve other adults and things along those lines, I feel like it might go out of reach of our hands and it might go into something that's more focused on money. But what we focus on the nonprofit aspect of things. That's why the first order of business was nonprofit. We wanted to declare it as a nonprofit organization and that's what we did. So going on from that, a group of my, like uh, a couple of my friends and I, we started, you know, the Smart Help organization and we banded together high school students from my high school and high schools that are close to us. And we were like, okay, since we're high schoolers, we've been through this school system. We know what to help them with because we've been through it. The problem with this, uh, the, uh, the problem with, you know, hiring tutors and things along those lines and going to other organizations is those teachers or those tutors, they didn't go to your high school. They have no idea. They're probably following a course syllabus that's very basic. But us as high school students, we went through this process. So we found our advantage. Our advantage is that we went through this community and we went through this educational system so we know what to look for and what to expect, what the grading system looks like, what teachers look for, what each grade level analyzes, what they look for in a student, what extracurricular activity you should do depending on your interest. So it's kind of like personal experience, but added up. And then you have all these high school, different high school students with different backgrounds, different perspectives, different extracurriculars, different honor societies. And you bring them all together, you have this diverse loophole of high school students willing to help for free after school, which counts towards volunteer hours. And that's where it all started. How have you seen your efforts impact the community? Of course, um, we only started the Smart Help organization just a couple of months ago. And I wanna say a couple of months before the summer is when we started it. And since then we've seen rapid growth. We went from having barely five, you know, students being tutored from elementary schools to over 60. Currently, we have 72 students that, you know, get tutored on almost like a bi-weekly basis. Um, and that just goes to show how if you have something in mind, if you have a vision, you should execute it. Because this goes back to experience, you know. This could have went horribly wrong, but it's all about learning and taking a step forward. You don't want to stay in the same spot that you were a year ago. You want to learn new things. And that's a whole aspect. And that's like the biggest part of things. And that's, and we took it, we made it a reality, you know, uh, we set up teams once again, subdivisions, groups, people focused on advertising, people focused on marketing, people focused on, you know, finances, things along those lines. And it's not just for, you know, tutoring. It's also, we also offer like school supplies, whether it's like pencils, books, things along those lines to these students who might need extra school supplies. So we kind of take care of the student's needs and whatever that may look like, whether it's tutoring, whether it's school supplies and things like that, you know? So as you mentioned, you've seen Smart Help's rapid growth, but what do your long-term goals look like? I can sit here and say that the long-term goal in an ideal world is that we want to branch out into as many communities as we can. But the problem with that is by having such a big circle, it's also harder to maintain. 
And that's just a big, that's like, that's like kind of what we're analyzing right now. Cause we're all seniors, you know, the, the founders of people who started this, you know, nonprofit, we're all seniors, all my friends and I, we're going to be going to college next year. So we are still thinking of how are we going to pass this on? Who's going to take the leadership roles? What's that going to look like? Because we want someone who's going to, you know, step forward to the plate and initiate, really initiate and take initiative to really put forth their best effort into expanding it. Because currently we're in Shrewsbury, Northboro, Westboro, you know, these neighboring cities, Worcester, obviously, um, that are really close to Shrewsbury. But the goal is to expand farther through family because, you know, we have so many family members, cousins in different states, different counties, different towns, things along those lines. And expanding through their networks is what I feel like would be the best ideal long-term goal. And we've discussed this so many times, but we're still properly trying to execute this because there's so many moving pieces well, quite literally us moving to college as well. So it's kind of hard to all wrap around, but we're still figuring those things out. But that would be the long-term goal, but definitely to expand into other communities and other states and in other towns. You touched on this briefly before, but how do you make sure to work effectively with a team? I think the two biggest words in life that you need to progress is responsibility and accountability. And the reason being for that is you need to hold whether it's you or whatever it is that you're doing, when you're chasing a vision, right? You need to hold yourself accountable with timetables, plans, schedules, goals, like all these, all the things along these lines. And by holding yourself accountable, by meeting with your team regularly and commuting, communicating through some sort of platform where everyone is engaged and motivated and giving their 100% best effort, that's the best advice I can give to someone starting a team. And that sounds all like, you know, cliche and things, but it really takes some time to water it down and figure out who's really a part of it. And then who's just kind of someone that if, if the time comes, you can have them as like an extra person to help along because it's all about the foundation. If you build the foundation really well, you can build upon it. If your foundation is loose and someone leaves, for example, or someone, even one person in the group is not motivated anymore, it crumbles because that one person has lots of responsibilities. So everyone who has responsibilities and is accountable needs to hold them, hold themselves to those regards. If they don't, it starts crumbling. And it's a really big, like, it's a, it's really like frustrating sometimes as well in teams where someone doesn't do the work or someone does it this way. And another thing to tackle that is communication. You need to be blunt and you need to really explain things the way that they are. You can't sugarcoat things. If you sugarcoat things, it'll only take longer for the truth to come out. And you really need to understand what's his goal? Why is he here? Is he doing this for college or is he doing this because he's interested? Or is he doing this so that he can possibly make a side hustle? It's, there's so many things you need to analyze. And by putting everything at the table right when you meet, you can understand why people are there and if they leave, why they're leaving. Or if they're not motivated enough, why they're leaving. Or what are their other priorities? It's all about understanding the people around you and their perspectives and once again, their backgrounds. And you can achieve, I feel like you can achieve greatness if you can communicate properly. You're going to value and hopefully implement your advice the next time I work with the team. But I think having the ability to work effectively with teams comes through just increased exposure. Kind of going back to you personally, what are some of your hopes and goals for your future? I just want to throw myself into every 
the opportunity that I can into helping other people within my community, whether it's through college or whatever it may be. I just want to throw myself into uncomfortable positions. I feel like if you're thrown in an uncomfortable position, you can really grow and learn new things. Because if you always do something you're good at, you'll never get better at the things you're not good at. So for example, like I'm not that good with numbers, statistics, things along those lines. So what would I do? I would learn more about it. I would probably take like a wing position and watch someone else do the financial, the income statements, things along those lines. And I feel like what the future holds for me in college is just failure. I feel like I just need to fail in order to really learn that process because it's the, it's the whole thing about, yeah, you can do something and fail, but if you don't come to your senses and like realize it's the, it's the whole thought of realization that will boost you forward because if you've done something and you haven't done so well on it, for example, you take a test and you haven't done so well on the test and you brush it off, you never, you never know what you did wrong or how to better yourself. But if you can come to the realization and be like, all right, I'm going to sit down and look at what I did wrong. Let me just at least understand what's going on. Then I feel like you can achieve greatness with the whole thing that I've been saying. It's all about communicating. And that goes to show that communicating with yourself is also important. Sometimes, people's minds are so clouded. They think of one thing, but they don't know what they're truly envisioning. Whereas if you can keep a clear sight of what you're focused on, how to get there, that will lead to success, no matter what you're doing. As long as you're interested in it and you're not doing it for the sake of others, no matter what it is, I feel like you can be successful. And on the topic of what I'm gonna do, I feel like in college, I'm just gonna dabble into different startups and businesses. I feel like in college, through the networks that people have and the internships that people can produce, like for example, Babson, you know, Professor Sim was talking about how you, if you want an internship, you can just talk to some of the professors and students and alumni even, and bam, you got yourself a job interview in like two days. And you know, you you do things along those lines. You can, you can be in an internship, you, can have a nonprofit that you can have your business that makes money it's all about implementing things and i feel like that's what i'll be a part of you know really dabbling in different things and just seeing what fits me the best and what helps the community the most from my perspective the last question i have for you today is what is one piece of advice you could share that hasn't had an impact on your life so far i feel like recently I don't know where I heard this, but someone said this, and this particularly doesn't have anything to do with business, but I really like the tone and the mindset that this person had when they said it. They said, lift others while you climb. So on the path to success or on the path to your goals, people tend to be tunnel vision, which is okay. It's okay. You do not have to worry about other people's opinions and what they do. But if you are climbing to the top, for example, right? Or if you are working hard and you are trying to achieve your goals, if you're getting a step closer every single day, elevate others around you. You are just as good as the people around you are. I would want to surround myself with people who are always better than me so that I can constantly push myself. And those are the environments that I try throwing myself into, whether it's at speech and debate, whether it's with my friends, I always try pushing them. You know, just a couple of months ago, the thought of going to the gym for them was not even like, it was far-fetched. It wasn't even in their, you know, aspirations or whatever. But since I started going, I, I started nagging on them. I was like, bro, just come, it's fine. Just see how it is. And now they're gym addicts. Like they tell, they, they wake me up at 5 a.m. When we had Babson classes, I was waking up at like 4.35 a.m. going to the gym and coming back. And they were the ones that kept on pressuring me. I told them. 
like it's all about the people around you. It's a marathon, not a race. You know, as long as you progress one step closer to what you're trying to achieve, that is all that matters. And it's all about lifting others while you climb. You know, you have to elevate the people around you. Your friend group or your community is a reflection of who you are. If you hang around athletes, what does that tell me? You're athletic, you're, you know, you're outgoing, you're very social, things along those lines. And you want to surround yourself with people. If, for example, if you want to make money, you surround yourself with people who've already made money. It's just as simple as that because you'll learn from them. So once again, everyone brings something to the table. You might look at someone and make an initial judgment. Oh, this guy probably doesn't know anything. But you never know unless you start talking to them. Though it may be uncomfortable, who cares? It doesn't matter. You talk to them, things don't go well. Okay, there's 6 billion people in the world that you can talk to. It's not that important. It's all about gaining experience and an understanding. And everyone thinks differently. That's why our minds are so unique. And, you know, it's, I could go on and on about this, but really focus on people that are around you. They are a reflection of who you are. I really like your mentality that you just want to fail because I feel like too often people focus on being successful and become more discouraged when they do fail. The last question I have for you today is, what is one piece of advice you could share that hasn't had an impact on your life so far? So Shane, thank you so much for recording this podcast with me. It's always a pleasure to work with you and I wish you all the best in the future and hopefully we'll be able to meet up sometime soon. For the listeners, thank you for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought over Instagram at justask underscore by Celine.